The Therapy is a Christian podcast is all things mental health and Christ. We specifically talk about how mental health and God are merged together to foster growth, healing, and making mental health a normal conversation. I'm your host, Roz and Renee, and welcome to the show. Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Therapy as a Christian podcast. I'm your host, Rosin Renee. Hey, y'all. Hello again. Um, I am so excited about this week's episode in particular, y'all. Okay, so first off, let me say I am on a roll right now. I pray before I started recording these episodes and I am on episode number two that I'm recording in a row. So I'm so excited. So anyway, I wanted to get into this message really quickly. I have been so excited about recording this specific podcast. I worked on the notes actually like a month ago and I have really been like digging deep into like really talking about this topic with you guys. So the topic that we're going to kind of talk about this week is going to be a new segment that I'm going to bring to the podcast. And basically, it's called In Therapy, which is a segment where I will talk about something that I learned in therapy or something that I overcame in therapy or a topic that kind of started coming up and that I really had to work through in therapy. And you kind of see where this in therapy is is going. But really like I just want to spill the tea. I'm about to give y'all the, this good word about how I just overcame a lot of stuff in therapy, y'all. And it's the end of the year. It's December. Um if you're listening to this podcast, December 2018. And so I have really reflected on my year and I just want to share this good tea with y'all. Um, And part of the reason I wanted to do this in therapy segment was to take y'all like therapy as a Christian is not specifically um, for you to just like take what I'm saying and um, just like take it in. It's like, oh, my gosh, it's so beautiful. Like she learned all this stuff in therapy. But you may not necessarily have a therapist that's Christian, but you can bring the things that I've talked about if you find that you struggle with them to therapy too. like take these topics because you may hear something that I say and say, oh, wow, I didn't think about that or that resonated with me and take it to therapy and say, I want to talk about this. This is something that resonated with me and I really want to dig deep and process this. And so um, this in therapy topic is going to be discussing my untrue perception of God. The reason I really wanted to talk about this topic in particular, especially as my first topic for my in therapy segment is because I realized um, this was something probably I want to say it was about it was after I got married. So I had I started therapy the the very, very beginning of January 2018 And I think it was after I got married, me and my therapist were like working through a lot of different things related to, um, I was working through some things about my dad and I kept talking to her about just feeling like, 
I don't know if God really likes me or if he's, you know, there for me or things like that. And if people, people that know me know that I love me some Jesus. So for me to say that out loud to her was really something that I had to, I probably like was feeling really deeply at the time. And it was real. Like we dug into that. And basically how this untrue perception of God thing came was just, I had to really talk about what was my view of God? So we did a lot of processing. Um, and if anybody knows anything about like processing and therapy, it's where you really talk about a specific thing. And she asked me some questions related to who did I believe God was to me? And there was like, a, I think one session we were talking about it and she gave it to me as homework to like go and reflect on. And I remember coming home and writing out in my journal, just like, I thought God always wanted to discipline me. I thought he only really um, cared about me when things were good, when I was good and good things were happening in my life. Um, I thought that he didn't like me because I wasn't feeling fulfilling my quote unquote purpose. Um, that he wasn't able to fix my depression, that I'm just always going to be this anxious person. Like those were real feelings that I thought towards God. And I, I think about it now and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, why would I think that about God? Because you don't really hear that when people talk about him, but it just, I always felt just like God was punishing me. So Anyway, went back to therapy, I think the next week, and I'm a person where it's like, girl, I'm going to do my homework that you give me. And we we went through it and we were talking and she kind of said to me, it kind of se- sounds like your view of God and your relationship with God is very much so like how you treat your own father. Ooh, child. That was really hard for me to swallow because up until that point, I had thought that I had this extremely true perception of God, but I was waddling in a lot of pain and hurt from childhood. And it made me almost sort of in my in my view of like things that were happening in my life at the time from growing up, my view of God was very shaped based on a hurt place. I wasn't free from a lot of the things that I had experienced from relationships with people, people that had hurt me in the church, um, people that had been in my life and took advantage of me, family that I just wasn't close to or a lot of guilt and pain that I just couldn't forgive myself from. And it made me, that hurt place made me view God as if it's his fault. Um, So I have three points about three things in particular that I, how I view God. And then I want to go through five things that I realized about myself after kind of really uncovering those three things. So the first thing was that I used to think towards God uh, was that God hated me and 
in turn, I hated God. And I say hate, that is such a strong word, but I really didn't like the Lord at one point in time. Um, I wouldn't tell people that because I think maybe people view me as this person who is very um, spiritual, I guess you could say. And so to hear from me to say that I hated God at one point is like, why? Um, But I'm not really doing any doing saying this for other people's um, validation. I'm saying this is like these were my feelings, y'all. So I didn't like God for a while. And I think I treated God because of that. Um, I think at one point in time, I felt like because my dad um, and I didn't really have a relationship growing up that he didn't like me. And so I just didn't like him. And so I think that transferred and translated into how I felt God or treated God because I feel like you're supposed to have a relationship with your earthly father just as well as your heavenly father. And I did the same things I would do to him. If something bad was happening, I would just kind of ignore him, wouldn't talk to him. Um, And him, I'm talking about the Lord. If If a boyfriend broke up with me, I'll say in particular, I would just feel defeated and just feel like, well, why would you allow that to happen? Lord, you know I'm want to be eventually with someone why would you allow me not to be in a relationship and I just would completely neglect the Lord because I just felt like only bad things are happening in my life at this point um and this was like early 20s um these kind of feelings and thoughts were happening and I just was a rebel y'all I would do stuff to purposely um like neglect the lord so i would i was someone that was actually celibate when i was in college for at least i think it was about two years i practiced celibacy because i at that point didn't want to continue to have sex and um at the time i was really trying to build my relationship with god back up and so i equated i'm celibate as I have this perfect relationship with God, not knocking anybody that's really practicing celibacy. Um, But my motive was, and again, I talked about this in the last episode, is really finding out your motive with things is important. But my motive for practicing celibacy at the time was because I equated me being celibate and not having sex was I was so good and I was good in God's eyes, a very self-righteous thought process of people that were having sex were bad or they weren't close to the Lord. These are very self-righteous thoughts. Um, I don't think that anymore. Um, If you practice celibacy, make sure your motive is right. If you really want to pursue that, you know, saving yourself, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, Just make sure your motive is in place. Don't do it for a self-righteous thing because that means your heart's not in it. If it's not, if it means that you're better than other people, your heart's not in the right place. Practice celibacy because you want to do it for the purpose of saving yourself from marriage, for the purpose of of being obedient to God. Um, And I just felt like I had to say that because I used to really think that. um, And so when God would piss me off, usually, and I'm I'm really being real on this because God would make me mad or I would 
come from a hurt place. So I would get upset, y'all. Um, I don't want to say things like, God pissed me off. But he, I would get so upset, I would go have sex. Like, I remember there was one time I was just, like, so upset. I was like, I just don't like you. I'm about to go have sex. And then I would do it, feel bad, and say, well, I don't know why I did that. Um, and then go back to practicing celibacy. And then something would happen. I would get upset, be like, Lord, you don't love me. I'm going to go do this. And it's not, you're, I'm basically attention seeking at this point. Um, and I'm saying this really real to say, we don't have to try to seek attention to get God's love. And I'll get into the what I realized thing in a second. But that was the first one. God hated me. So then I hated God. The second thing that I felt deeply was I wasn't fulfilling my purpose. Therefore, I wasn't good enough to God. Um, I had this real large obsession with success. Um, I think when this wave of entrepreneurship came or this wave of everybody owning their own business came and not knocking people that do and want to eventually get to a place where they own their own business. I do too, but I limited my purpose in a specific thing that I had to do. Um, not specifically treating people well. And so since I felt like I wasn't fulfilling my purpose I wasn't good enough to God or if I wasn't um, doing this big thing, then I wasn't good enough for God. I remember at one point, y'all, um, I think when I graduated college, there was a time where I actually applied to the Peace Corps because I felt like that was what I had to do. I had to do the ultimate thing to to go fulfill my purpose, like go overseas and do missions and fulfilling my purpose doesn't necessarily have to be me doing something like that. Um, but it, again, it goes back to that thing of I have to do something for God to approve of me. And that's not the case. Um, the last and final thing that I realized um, that was untrue in the way that I looked at God was that God couldn't and God wasn't fixing what was happening in my life. And specifically talking about um, my depression and my anxiety um, and that I was a really big people pleaser. I talked about the people pleasing in the last episode, but specifically um, my depression and anxiety, I realized that I, um, I wanted God to fix something that he equipped me to overcome. I'll say that again. With depression and anxiety, I wanted God to fix something that he equipped me to overcome. Um, I'll go into how I realized that in therapy, but depression and anxiety is very real. There are situations that can bring about a lot of depression, whether there is um, experiencing a death, of a family member or experiencing losing a child or experiencing um, 
having something extremely traumatic happen to you. I don't I don't know what your specific situation is that can bring about very, very sad feelings. We are equipped to handle and overcome those things. We are human beings, and I know that we have the ability to overcome no matter how hard the situation. Um, this year, um, I believe that I really worked through a lot of feelings about who I thought I was. And uh, one of a lot of the things that I was depressed about were things that I believe that God equipped me to overcome. And I just allowed the negative thoughts to overcome me. So some of the things I realized, and I have a lot of scripture to back some of this up. So I'll kind of go through them really quickly to not make this podcast super long was I realized that my look and thoughts about God didn't line up with what the word said about him. Um, in the answer to talking about God's thoughts towards me, where I thought God didn't like me or God didn't love me. I know there was something that I said at one point where I was like, God didn't love me. Um, Psalms 139 is it's a very um, amazing set of scripture where it talks about God's thoughts towards us. And David was really sick of being upsold at gyms. My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Just kind of like telling God, like, who are you to think of me? And your thoughts towards me are just so beyond what I even can think. Um, in Jeremiah, like, you formed me in my mother's womb. You knew me. To even know that God knew who I was and everything that I would do for him in my lifetime before the very person who I know loves me, knew me. My mother, I know she loves me with everything inside of her. But to think that the person that earthly I know loves me, but the person that created me knew me and loved me before that earthly person did is like, try not to be overwhelmed with just happiness but it can be like you have to know like to know now like God's thoughts towards me were that is just like wow it also talks about in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 was Jesus saying come to me those who are heavy I will give you rest and knowing that Christ Specifically, he came for us to have rest in him. And then um, also realizing that we have the Holy Spirit as our comforter. Um, Matthew 16 and 7 says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the helper will not come. But if I go, I will send him to you. And so we have this spirit 
the Holy Spirit that is with us at all times. So even in those depressing moments, even in those moments where we feel like, God, why are you allowing this to happen? Or why is this happening? We have a comforter. That's what Jesus described the Holy Spirit as, is the comforter. Jesus couldn't be with everybody physically, everywhere. So what did he do? He died so that we could have his spirit with us every single step of the way. Because if he was physically here, if my, so if I'll give an example. If Jesus was here with me and my husband and Rashad needed to leave and go do something and Jesus went with him, I wouldn't have him. I wouldn't have Jesus around. So it was like Christ died so that physically he was gone, but spiritually I could have a piece of him and so could my husband. And so we have a comforter. Um, I also realized that, ooh, child, this was a big one for me. I was harboring so much unforgiveness that I was angry. I was so angry because I was just harboring so much, like, unforgiveness towards people. Um, I took a lot of things personally that people would say, um... I really had a lot of unforgiveness towards people that had hurt me. Like I talked about people in the church, y'all. I had church hurt. Mm-hmm, sure did. Um, my father. Um, I had even a little bit of unforgiveness towards my mom for some things. Um, just stuff that I never talked about because I just thought, how is that important? How does that equate to the way I view the Lord. But what God was showing me was, you know, look, you're holding these feelings against people for hurting you. And you're not even able to experience forgiveness from me because you want to hold all this stuff against other people. And so Matthew 16 and 14, no, Matthew 6 and 14, forgive me, says, forgive them of their trespasses, forgive people who have hurt you. And I will say this. Forgiveness is a process. It is not easy. It is something that takes work and it and it takes you being extremely honest about how you feel, extremely honest about your feelings and the hurt you feel. So it's not an overnight process. It took me years to sometimes now that I look back on it, I had really tried to forgive and I wasn't forgiven because I was still like resentful. Um, another thing that I realized that I was rebellious because of pride and I wanted to run my life. So when I talked about the celibacy and me wanting and me, um, going to have sex to rebel, basically thinking I'm hurting the Lord and really I'm just hurting myself. I was prideful. I was like, okay, well, since you, since you, quote unquote, don't like me. I'm just going to hurt your feelings and reacting out of a place of like just childishness, um, but really pride. And I want to try to think of an example that's really um, simple because I feel like I'm describing a celibacy as a it's one, and I don't want to do that because I don't want to take away the tr- the real true feelings of people who really are practicing that 
to honor the Lord. But um, pride, just pride in general, feeling haughty, feeling good about yourself, painting a picture of like, I'll give this example, that your accolades and that your degrees make you better than other people. Like, no, it doesn't. Pride will destroy you. And it just it it really destroyed me. It made me feel like I'm better than other people. And I'm not. Y'all self-righteousness doesn't get us anywhere. It not only but it it puts a wedge between us and God. Period. So don't let pride make you feel like you're better than other people. And I'll say that and just say like I really had to work through that and still do sometimes because you know everybody's not perfect there are times where you can get prideful um and annoyingly and you can kind of think good about yourself with things so it's something that you can it still is worth it we're always going to be working through something but the root of my behavior was rooted in pride and so um I'm going to read a set of scripture that says Deuteronomy 28 47 through 48 says, because you did not serve the Lord your God with joyfulness and gladness of heart because of the abundance of all the things, therefore you shall serve your enemies whom the Lord will send against you in hunger and thirst and nakedness and in lacking. And he will put a yoke of iron on your neck until he has destroyed you. Y'all. It is serve God with joy. Don't be afraid. Like I think it's it's simple to ask God, help me to deal with pride. Ask the Lord to invite God in. I don't want to say these scriptures to make if somebody's struggling with this feel afraid of God. Um, but I want to paint the picture of like ask God to help you deal with the pride. Simply ask Him. That was one thing that um, my therapist helped me through because I'll tell you pride was something is it's it, it is still something we're working through because I remember a session I had a couple of weeks with her where we talked about selfishness and pride and it was something where it's like I feel like I pick people's stuff up um because I want to help them and so I take I take it on as my job to do and it's like that's not my job so I have to learn to sometimes put that down um so that's an area of pride and work and something that I'm working through um but ask God invite him in and say to him help me work through this don't feel like you got to do it by yourself but also don't continue to walk in it when the Holy Spirit is readily available to help you if you really need it so don't put the don't don't allow the yoke to sit on your neck and destroy you because it can and it will. Um, another set of scripture. And the reason I bring this one up is because no matter where you are, once you've received the Holy Spirit, God is with you through everything. Um, there is a scripture in Psalm 138 that says, I can never escape your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. God is with you whether you're up or down. And if you're down, he's there. If you're up, he's there. You can he can your spirit, his spirit is never going to leave you. 
So I realized that in my rebellious nature, God was still with me. Um, And I think it was good that I went through that because there's a testimony to share with you all. Um, This is number four. Oh, this was a good one. Um, Number four, what I realized is that I idolized other people's lives. So when I was talking about not fulfilling my purpose and me thinking that I was not good enough for good enough to God, comparison robs us of everything. And again, I talked about this in the, I think it was the last podcast where it's like, we're in this age where we're so exposed to each other that comparison can be easy to creep in. Um, I said this quote on Facebook and girl, you know, it's official when it's on Facebook that inspiration can turn into insecurity if it's not um, I think I, I said if it's not uh, maintained, um, because the thing is, if you don't know what specifically, if you're taking in all this inspiration, quote unquote, but you feel insecure about the inspiration of others, it it can be really hard to feel like, oh, wow, these people are doing so many good things. What am I doing with my life? I kind of put people's lives and the things they were doing is like, that must be the way to get to success. And the thing that I really realized was that my lane is just as good as anybody else's. My lane and what I'm doing is just as fine as somebody else's. Um, And it's important to realize that. So I won't go too deep into the idolizing of people's lives, but really know that your lane, your life is just as good as somebody else. And God can use your life in the simplest way. It doesn't have to be on a big stage. It can be on no social media and you impact somebody. And that still is enough to God. Um, the fifth and final thing I realized is that I am flawed and unable to do anything without Jesus. I have to surrender all of my life to him because I own nothing. I um, have realized recently that in my flesh, in, in in my fleshly nature, and my therapist was like, none of us are. But I told her the other day, I said, girl, Rosalind in her flesh is not a nice person. And she was like, none of us are. But truly, like, I can do nothing without that man. I can do nothing without Christ. Oh, and y'all will hear me say often, I call God man. It's just a term of endearment for me and I think it's also a Memphis thing so if you're from Memphis you understand this but Maine is a term of endearment but I can do nothing without that man he is like everything to me so last set of scripture um surrender to God surrender your life and literally when I say surrender it can be as simple as a prayer saying Lord today I give you my life. I don't know what you're going to do with it, but help me. And I surrender all that I have and all that I will be to you. Don't be scared of it. If it means that a relationship is going to get cut off or that you have to kind of take some time to yourself or that you have to do something that you've never done before. 
surrender your life. You have literally absolutely zero to lose and everything to gain. So the last of the scripture is Second Chronicles 7 and 14. Um, and I literally copied these off Google. So if um, I'm reading these verbatim, but this is from the King James Version. It says, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. Now, I want to say something really quickly about the scripture that I actually didn't realize until now um, was that before it said turn from their wicked ways, it said and turn from their wicked ways, but it said pray and seek my face and turn from your wicked ways. Seeking God's face will teach you how to turn from your wicked ways. And wicked could be literally like, in my flesh, I'm wicked. But that pride that I was talking about or feeling like you can do it all on your own or just whatever you might think might be something that is holding you back from getting to God. Um, Before I went to therapy, I thought I had it all together, y'all. I was jacked up. I held on to hurt. I held on to a lot of baggage that I did not have to hold on to. And so um, it's a process. And let the process be. Don't feel like you're going to have it done overnight. It took me a year to sit and talk on this microphone to you. I had to dig up so much stuff and I'm still still working through I'm still in therapy so 20 almost 27 years of life I had to work through so it takes time don't feel bad but start the process start the process and go um and do it with God do it with knowing that he's walking with you every step of the way so that was my in therapy segment. Um, I love you all so, so much. I'm praying for you. By the time you hear this episode, it will be probably kind of towards um, the mid end of December. So I will talk to you soon. Be on the lookout for many, many more things that I have coming for you. 2019 going to be lit. All the way litty lit because God has got some good things like he's told me that he wants me to do for you guys. So anyway, I love you. Connect with me on social. Um, my name is Rosalind Renee on Instagram, R-O-S-L-Y-N-R-E-N-E. Or send me an email at therapyasachristian at gmail.com. And I will talk to you soon. Love you guys.